Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, just like me when I'm drunk, Congress decided to spend a bunch of money at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> they passed a $1.9 trillion stimulus bill, and Republicans are calling it a liberal wish list. But, I don't know, I think a liberal wish list would be avocado toast with Chrissy Teigen, free college for pets, and a hip-hop musical about Anderson Cooper starring Lin-Manuel Miranda. I like free college for pets. That's pretty funny. That is pretty good. I hate to uh, turn away from humor to serious stuff, but a couple of, there's, there's good news at the end of this. Okay. Wall Street Journal with a piece. The long-term economic costs have lost schooling. Uh, we started talking about this a couple of minutes ago, but they're thinking, um, you know, the kids who've been denied learning for a year or more aren't just going to make it up. It's not going to be like <clears throat> deferred uh, demand in an economy. So did they explain why that would be? Well, it's, I, I, I haven't figured... I haven't heard anybody speak to how they're planning to handle this. Well, first of all, a lot of people are pretending that schooling has been going on. It hasn't. If your kids have been distance learning, there hasn't been much learning. Remember yeah. at the very beginning of this, I asked for, do you text me? Or I asked so many students, what percentage of regular school do you think you're getting? Actually, the better the student that I talked to, the lower the percentages. I remember mm. I asked some straight A like junior high, high school girls that I know um, that said one uh, to five percent, maybe. No, oh. um, it was very low. But I know the average was like around around twenty percent. Students and parents saying that's how much they were getting out of it. Wow. So do you? It would almost seem like you just got to bump back everything a year. So you're in third grade. You missed third grade. So you're going to do third grade in fourth grade, but then the fourth grade teacher mm. has to learn the third grade stuff? Well, that did not make any sense. So right. you wouldn't do it that way. Oh, right. And you redo also, a year? Re- everybody's held back. Almost. In, yeah, I would say functionally, yeah, that's what's going to happen. The problem is, though, and we've mentioned this before, the kids' brains have this spectacular ability to oh. learn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At young ages. I mean, I wish I had a tenth of the ability of a four-year-old to learn right now. Yeah, I remember, I remember learning that in a particular class I took in college, really studying that. I was so into that. The age of eight, particularly, up until the age of eight, you can the ability to learn things is just, God, if, we, if they could ever make that last your whole life, maybe it'd make you crazy. Um, it'd be fun. But especially under eight-year-olds and under, that year missing out on schooling, is brutal, just brutal. Right. So they quote uh, in the Wall Street Journal, Eric Honeshek and Margaret Raymond, economists and education researchers at Stanford, uh, blah, 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 lost study time for children during the pandemic has the potential to do lasting harm, not just to their own long-term prospects, to but to American prosperity in general, they say. If your child misses out on learning fractions now, how will she perform in algebra later? You know, I could think of ways to solve that problem, putting a lot aside the whole children's spectacular abilities argument. You would just have to have longer school years. Uh, to more get hours up. of instruction. Yeah. Yeah. But they studied 18 states and... Uh, Keeping just, in mind that a yes. lot of this 
You're going to make your kids go to longer school years, like for the rest of their schooling career, for no freaking reason whatsoever. No reason. The teachers are working longer. The kids are going to school. They're hating it. The parents are hating it. Everybody's hating it. And it didn't have to happen. That's true. Because about half of it, at least, you didn't have to be out of school anyway. That's so Mm -hmm. maddening. Yep. So let's go ahead and keep that little bit longer day, little bit longer year idea in mind. And I'll quote these two economists. Uh, They studied uh, 19 states, essentially, concluded that on average, on average, children lost 116 days of reading time during the early stages of the pandemic last year and 215 days of math work, instruction that will be hard to gain and could leave a whole generation of children struggling to keep up their studies. Just last year? Yes. So in 365 days, they lost 215 days of math work. Back to your point about the percentage of education kids were actually getting. Holy cow. Yeah, well, that was just a ruse, and I can't believe so many people went along with it. I think in some cases it was uh, malicious. Some of it was just ignorance. You just thought, okay, they're distance learning, fine. I'm distance working. It's working out fine. Now, the school thing was a joke from the beginning. And everybody should have raised their hand and said, this is not working. Kids aren't learning anything. We've got to figure something out here. This is not working. Right, right. I think that was during the period where everybody was afraid. It wasn't clear how bad the pandemic was going to be. And we all had the, all right, we're all in this together. No whining and, and griping. Of course, this isn't as good. But, but that morphed into just covering up, I think, for the inadequacies of it, the terrible inadequacies. I got to believe that the disparities between the best students and the worst students are going to grow too. That's another point they make. Yep. Just absolutely right. You know, the the parents that either for for whatever reason valuing education had the time, better Wi-Fi whatever, um that worked harder at trying to keep their kids up to speed really going to outpace the the ones that didn't care, bad Wi-Fi, weren't paying attention. Which is, of course, disproportionately poor students, students of color, et cetera. And I know, I had a conversation about this just over the weekend. I know very successful, highly educated people who value education as much as anybody in America, um, whose kids they've caught, you know, looking at YouTube videos when they're supposed to be in class. I mean, so if that's happening in that household, it's happening. A lot in households where nobody's paying any attention. So I will admit this as a guy who studied economics for years. uh, Most of economics is guessing. But they say over the next century, the skill shock of 2020, which is what they're calling it, will produce $25 trillion to $30 trillion of lost economic output in today's dollars. And the lifetime household incomes of the affected students will likely be 6 to 9% lower. Wow. And I can tell you what they based it on. It's technical, has to do with an experiment done in Germany in the 60s, blah, blah, blah. But close it's, it's to, pretty good, pretty close good economics. to 10% less lifetime earnings because you wouldn't let the kids back in the schoolroom for no good reason. That's right. That's right. Um, what a crime the, against children. Yeah, I'm, we're already in the weeds, so I'm going to pass on the temptation to go further in because I really want to bring this to you. This is such a great story. Um, it's Mark Thiessen writing in the Washington Post, which is still occasionally printing uh, dissenting opinions. 
Watching the Biden administration flail around on school reopening, one wonders what it would be like if we had a chief executive with the courage to take on the teachers' unions and give every parent who wants their children to attend in-person school the right to do it. Well, we do. Her name is Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, and she just signed a bill into law that requires every public and accredited private school in her state to offer in-person learning five days a freaking week. Not a majority of K-8 through schools one day a week or whatever. All K through 12 schools immediately, no ifs and or buts. Did you hear this news anywhere? No, I didn't. I didn't even, and I take in a lot of news. I didn't hear that. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's, it's cruelly incompetent and or biased uh, media, but kids were falling behind. She says in an interview, in our largest school districts, we had the teachers unions that were winning out and we had kids that hadn't been in a classroom since August. We had teachers that had been unable to connect with students for over nine weeks, and there was nothing they could do about it. And the lessons that they did have ranged from 60 to 90 minutes, and then that's it for the day. Yep. Uh, let's see. Most of the affected students were disadvantaged kids, inner-city public schools. We had 55% in one of our public schools of high school kids and 21% of middle, middle school kids that were getting a D or an F. We saw a 21% decrease in first-grade literacy Great, Scott. 21% decrease in first grade literacy. That is in the absolutely critical prime learning period. Um, and so the governor decided enough was enough. Quote, the metrics support the kids being in school. We can do it safely. So in her condition of the state address on Jan 12, uh, Governor Reynolds called on lawmakers to, and I quote, immediately send a bill to my desk that gives parents the choice to send to their kid, their child back to school full time. The state Senate quickly approved it, 29-18. The House passed it, 59-39. And Reynolds signed it into law uh, at the very end of January. Just one Democrat had the courage to break ranks with the unions and support it, which is sickening. I assume they're stacking the bodies of dead teachers and students on top of each other, waiting for refrigerated trucks. No, of course, everybody's fine. Everybody's absolutely fine. Uh, you also didn't hear this about Iowa. I remember when Scott Walker did this in Wisconsin. It was a great move. But um, back in 2017, when she was lieutenant governor, the state eliminated collective bargaining for public sector unions. Uh, but despite those reforms, she found that many local school boards remain beholden to the unions. The school board types were buddy-buddy with the teachers' unions and continued to carry their water. Uh, just They were allied, I guess. God, that but, makes uh, me furious that I was not being held up as the standard that all states should reach to. They're calling it the Students First Act. It's a great move. We congratulate the governor. I want to mention this again early in the show tomorrow so that everybody can hear it, but good for you, Governor Reynolds. That's amazing. It's amazing how little that's happening given the evidence. I almost use the term the preponderance of evidence. It's a thousand to one, the evidence for opening schools versus keeping them closed. Bunch of experts looking at sleep practices. They have your bedtime best practice for getting your kids to sleep. I don't really have that problem anymore, but man, when they were younger, I did. Holy cow. I was up for an hour and a half last night in the middle of the night for a very specific reason. And it's given me a brilliant idea for a science fiction movie. Sean, we're going to be writing it together, so I need you to take notes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, best practices for getting your kids to, uh, to bed. This is science. All in the way.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Senator John Thunes, an American Airlines pilot reported that during a flight over New Mexico, he saw a long cylinder object come close to his plane. Sorry, that was just our engine, said United. <laughs> a sailor who fell overboard survived for 14 hours in the Pacific Ocean by floating on a large piece of garbage. Sorry, that was our other engine, said United. <laughs> yes! Give him a kick! Give him another kick! I hate United. I'm all for kicking him. So you've made clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kick him again! Um, best practices for getting your kids to bed. Luckily, I am more or less past that stage, although Sam really struggled to get to sleep last night for some reason. Um, well, man, when my kids were younger, oh, God, the battle every single night. So they uh, compiled the advice of many different experts and say these are the six key steps for getting kids to sleep. Brushing teeth before bed. I don't know why. Why would that? Does it say what? I think probably has to do with the the ritual. You, Habit. Your your brain, your body says, okay, this is part of the going to bed process. That's actually what I was guessing. Is that yeah? You get in the habit of uh, well, what you just said. Why would I say it again? That'd be just a waste know. of time. I don't know. Say um, it in a funny accent. They say consistency with time going to bed is important. I, I believe that. I don't mm-hmm. do it for myself, of course, but. Going to bed at the same time. That'd be similar, right? Getting your brain and body in the habit. Book reading before bed is a good one. My uh, son cannot get to sleep without reading for a while. I barely, I don't know if I can either. I haven't tried in so many years. I don't even know if I could go to sleep without reading something. Avoiding food and drink before bed. How far before bed? I mean, if I have a big old meal, there's nothing I like better than to doze off. You know what I mean? Doze off, pass out. Easy now. (laughs) Be at peak food coma right at bedtime. (laughs) What could be better? No kidding. Have the giant gravy turkey meal. Yes. 1015. (laughs) 1025, I'm sound asleep. I saw logs on the couch. (laughs) My youngest has a... um, he has a ritual. He's kind of like his mom this way. He has a ritual that he's got to do. It's a little OCD thing, but he has a little bowl of granola and yogurt right before he goes to sleep. And he mm. can't go to bed before he does it. As soon as he does that, that's his trigger that it's time to go to sleep. He passes out. If it works, it works. Yeah. Avoiding use of electronic devices before bed. That's the Blu-ray. Although, you can turn the Blu-ray off of your... Uh, Whatever device you have, and then I'm the, not. I'm the not blue sure. Light. If it's the blue light. I'm yeah. not sure if it's still bad for you. If you got the blue light portion turned off, it's not as bad as if it's on, but it probably still has an effect. And then calming activities with the child before bed, including bath, shower, and talking. There you go. Bath and a shower, man. You got a clean kid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, out of the bath, Johnny, into the shower. Please go the f- to sleep. <laughs> That's, uh, that's so true. There's Those Sam Jackson. All good tips. So I was tossing and turning last night for for quite an extended period, and it was mostly because the weather's been quite nice where we are, and uh, I got uh, a number of mosquito bites, and it was just itchy. Just itchy. And then once you're awake, your mind starts going. And then it, but Judy, today, she hits me with this Benadryl itch-stopping gel. Man, does that work? Yep, that anyway, stuff's good. But so I was, I was uh, 
I was musing about this. And uh, Sean, again, we're going to co-write this science fiction movie. Mm-hmm. Here mm-hmm. it is. Here's your premise. Not only have space aliens visited the planet, but they're living on the planet right now. And they are mosquitoes. Wow. It's it's like the Borg from Star Trek. Each individual mosquito's dopey. But together they form a mosquito brain that has plans and goals and the rest of it. And yes, to they such and yes, they sup on our blood, you, but they're also doing experiments yeah, the, uh, the, with the, our blood. The alien probes that everybody is afraid of, it's actually taking the, the form thousands of times per day in the form of mosquito bites. Right, exactly, and they're sending their data to the mothership. Meanwhile, they get a tasty snack. That's pretty interesting, actually. And then at some point, I don't know, maybe we discover that. We decide to eradicate uh, mosquitoes once and for all, and then they swarm. And here's where it gets a little Sharknado. <laughs> a giant swarms of insects, of, of mosquitoes, attacking cities and people slapping at themselves. Ah! As the CGI shows them yeah. getting bitten and all. And now it's starring a lesser Baldwin. <laughs> There's no such thing, Jack. A hint. They're all great. Yes. I'm telling you. I haven't come up with a title, though. Hive mind? That's not bad. But the hive is more like bees than mosquitoes. How about mosquito? No, that's terrible. What? Mosquitoes. I feel like you're still stuck in the Sharknado realm. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, the itch of death. No, uh, no. Maybe you'll win a Golden Globe someday with that. Uh, we've got the uh, the quick run through of just the big winners. Won't waste your time on that. And, uh, man, i got a couple other things i get got to get to. Trust me on this. Trust me. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Now, TV is the one that I watch five hours straight, but a movie is the one that I don't turn on because it's two hours. I don't want to be in front of my TV for two hours. I want to be in front of the TV for one hour five times. I think the rule is if their fake teeth look real, that's a movie. And if their real teeth look fake, that's TV. If the British actors are playing British people, it's TV. If they're playing Americans, it's a movie. If you're like, Mario Lopez is surprisingly good in this, that's TV. (laughs) And if, if it stars Matthew McConaughey as a poetic drifter, it's a car commercial. We watch TV and movies differently. Like in movies, it's called human trafficking. But on TV, it's called 90 Day Fiance. So that's Tina Fey and Amy Poehler hosting the Golden Globes last night. Uh, talking about the difference between TV and movies, which is kind of funny. And we've been talking about that for a while. And what's the, what's the difference between a TV movie and a movie movie? Right. And who cares? <laughs> and who cares? And why does it have to show in a theater for you to be eligible for an Oscar? That, that's ending, though, right? That's got to end. That's just well, it's, it's gone from, like, questionable to ludicrous. So, yeah. yeah, it's got to end. Anyway, just the big winners from Golden Globes, in case you want to check out some new stuff. Best motion picture, uh, drama, and it won a bunch of stuff, was Nomadland, which I didn't remember what I remember hearing about that. What is that again? You told me earlier, and I don't remember. Uh, you know? Francis McDermott uh, goes through a loss in life and becomes a bit of a nomad and just kind of lives the van okay. life, uh, embracing some hippie tendencies or something, okay. something. It doesn't appeal to me, but it sounds that uh, <laughs> some people like it. Um, 
living in a van down by the river. <laughs> For some reason, the Golden Globes, unlike the Oscars, they break it down into drama, and then you can have comedy or musical for movies. The Oscars doesn't respect comedies and will not let a comedy ever win anything. But anyway, best motion picture comedy was the Borat subsequent movie film, which is the new movie from Sasha Baron Cohen. That's the one with Rudy taking abuse in it? Rudy Giuliani? Yeah. I think. So then on uh, TV, the best drama TV series was The Crown, and it won a ton of awards. Best actress, best actor, best supporting actress. Meh. It will end its career as one of the most rewarded shows of all time. It it cleans up award seasons constantly. I tried to get into it. It's an incredibly well-produced and acted, lavish, gorgeous story I don't give a crap about. So they were, That's the royal family and their ups and downs. But, like, per- particularly the Prince Charles, Princess Diana years? Um, uh, no, they, it starts, like, when Elizabeth is a very young woman. Oh, okay. They only got that. into the Princess Diana stuff, like, this season. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So it's the whole thing. I didn't know that. I still don't have any interest. But uh, it's really well done, though. Okay, and it won a bunch of boards. Now, best comedy or musical TV series, S Creek. I'm wearing an S Creek t-shirt right now. I don't normally wear t-shirts that are a show, but I do really <laughs> like S Creek. That is my you favorite. You usually wear t-shirts of bands you don't listen to. Right. This is a TV show I do watch, and it's my favorite show of all time. And that was their final year, so they won yet another uh, Golden Globe for that. Best actor, though. Uh, went to Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso. If you haven't watched Ted Lasso, that's a good show. Really, all kinds of good. Funny, touching, interesting. And that's the American football coach coaches soccer in England for some reason show. Yeah, he he, he was the coach of Wichita State's football team. They don't actually have a football team. Go and Shockers. Then, and he gets hired to be the coach of a major soccer team over in England by an angry uh Ex-wife. Sudeikis mm. needed a win too. His uh, his engagement recently broken off as she's run off with uh, some one of the, one of the Styles boys. I forget which one. Uh, but yeah, there's so many of them. Yeah, yeah. Sudeikis needed a win, and I do enjoy the fact that he looked like he forgot like the award show was happening uh, during his Zoom acceptance speech. He clearly thought somebody from S Creek was going to win that, and I don't need to get dressed up. And he was like, <laughs> didn't have a bad, good background. He's wearing a hoodie. His hair isn't combed. Oh, geez, I won. Um. Wow, huh, that's weird. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, switching gears here. This is from John Oliver's show, which often wins awards like Emmys and stuff like that. Kind of a daily show sort of show. Taking on the Andrew Cuomo story, which uh, we talked about earlier, a second accuser came forward over the weekend accusing him of being a... Uh, well, he asked her if he wanted to have sex. She wanted to have sex with older men. He said he liked to have sex with twenty-year-olds and blah blah blah. You know that. Yeah, it's got a harasser, a little old school. At one point, he kissed her though, without her wanting. This it. girl or the other girl? I either, could be either, wrong. Which e- one it is? Either way, that is the sort of thing. And I, I'm not excusing at all, but that is the, the sort of thing that, geez, these kind of guys did all the time for mm. years. Yeah. Yeah, I can't stand Cuomo, but he's not a uh, Epstein, or not Epstein, uh, Weinstein. No. Or, or, or So it wouldn't seem. No, it would just seem that every woman he met, no matter their age, grown-ups, um, who he found attractive, he would at least throw out a line there to see if they were interested. Yeah. Because he grew up in a world where that was perfectly okay, because it was perfectly okay until like a year and a half ago. Um, but uh, so do we need to know anything about this from John Oliver for it to make sense? Uh, no, but th- uh, this is simply a, a kind of somebody noticed 
uh, a person that Cuomo quotes regularly and uh, was curious about what that might, who that person might be. Follow the facts. They will show you the way. A.J. Parkinson. That's what we've been doing in uh, New York, following the facts. And you may have noticed that he was quoting someone there named A.J. Parkinson, and that is something that he likes to do a lot. Remember, textbooks say politicians lead and the people follow. No, it is often the people who lead and the politicians who follow. A.J. Parkinson. A.J. Parkinson. Great quote. I respect elected officials who aren't typical politicians. Don't pass the buck without passing the bucks. A.J. Parkinson. A.J. Parkinson. A.J. Parkinson. A.J. Parkinson. A.J. Parkinson. A.J. Parkinson said that. Now, if you're currently thinking, oh no, am I supposed to know who A.J. <laughs> Parkinson is? Don't worry, he's not a famous historical figure that you learned about in school, like Plato or Jane Austen or James Joyce. Although, in fairness, you didn't learn much about them either, considering you didn't realize that that's actually Socrates, that's Emily Dickinson, and that's T.S. Eliot. But the point <laughs> is, it's actually completely fine not to be familiar with A.J. Parkinson because... He doesn't exist. He's a completely made-up person, apparently by Cuomo's dad, former governor and Kevin Spacey cosplayer Mario Cuomo. Now, he used to invoke the name of A.J. Parkinson as a kind of inside joke with the press. And while that may have been charming at the time, the current Cuomo doing it during a pandemic when virtually no one gets that it's a joke is a pretty weird move. Circulating fake quotes. It's obviously not the worst thing Cuomo's done. That is becoming increasingly clear. But it does feel like a pretty apt metaphor for an administration that has aggressively managed facts to fit its chosen reality. And it actually brings to mind another insightful saying. Andrew Cuomo is a colossal asshole. It's from an excellent writer named T.J. Pimpernickel. And I'll tell you exactly two things about T.J. Pimpernickel. One, he's a person I totally made up. And two, he's also completely right about Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Oh, 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 oh. That's that's just weird. Yeah, I'd say it is. So Sean has handed me, he kept this story back because he didn't want to give away the punchline. So he just handed me the, in a nod to his father, Andrew Cuomo, resurrects A.J. Parkinson, a fictitious philosopher, in his daily briefings. So he was doing this back during the daily CNN briefings. Yeah. Went, that he won an Emmy for. But did anybody pick up on that? No. Did any of the 22-year-olds who didn't even know his dad was governor? Um, no. So nobody picked up on that at the time. I mean, does it, well, I handed you a story of somebody who wrote about it at the time. Right, yeah. Not nobody, but it, it, I certainly didn't hear of it. No. Uh, yeah, I, I was not into the weeds enough to, to realize that this was he was quoting somebody, a, a, an invisible friend of his father, apparently. But so he would make up a quote to like justify things that he wants to do. Don't pass the buck without passing the bucks. A.J. Parkinson said that, and it's true, and that's why we need to. What? <laughs> I like pranks. I like messing with people. I like humor. I like sarcasm. And I still don't get the joke. (laughs) The inside joke is in line with the governor's habit of regularly including his family in his coronavirus updates. Cuomo's daughters have appeared on camera in recent weeks as he offers fatherly tales about meeting their boyfriends. Okay, I still don't get... That is really weird. So when his dad did it, did everybody know it was a joke? I get the sense from from the the readings I did that yeah people were in on it then so he's he's continuing an inside joke but I don't think there are many people who are aware of what's going on and now that I am again I still don't get the humor 
It's just an odd thing for an elected official to do. Oh, well. Especially while you're killing old people. Well, right. As, and sexually uh, harassing 24-year-olds. Exactly. Uh, all the generations can come together with dislike of Andrew Cuomo. And telling your uh, main secretary to destroy uh, documents that would show that you uh, did something. So you're covering up, killing people, and harassing people. But uh, got this A.J. Parkinson person. A.J. Pimpernickel. What a weird thing to do. <laughs> He's just a strange ranger, man. He is. When it all unravels, people are going to scratch their heads and think, how is he ever the kingpin of the Empire State? Because his dad was. Yeah, and you wouldn't enough. think in the world's oldest democracy that your dad being something and you being something, your brother being something would be still a thing. Voters are stupid. Present company accepted. Y'all are, are brilliant, and we appreciate you listening. But yeah. They got a name I recognize. I'm going to vote for him. <laughs> what? <laughs> what about his policy? Well, his old man was a good day. Okay. I've seen that name before. <laughs> right. I recognize that name. Jeez. Top of the list. You want to put it that way? It sounds kind of stupid. You know, I think we need to uh, somehow reestablish in our society that it's cool to say, I really have no idea. Who are you supporting? Guy I've heard of? Or three guys I haven't heard of? <laughs> I'm supporting the guy I've heard of. <laughs> no, just say, I don't know, I haven't taken a look yet. <laughs> that is a good point when they always talk about name recognition. So I'm going to go with the person I've heard of with the assumption that they're clearly better than the person I've not heard of. Is it that whole, is it Jimmy Kimmel who does the bit where he asks people, yeah. hey, did you hear yeah. about that? It was something that never happened. It's It's got to be that. You just you want to have an answer. If the other people were better, I would have heard of them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you brought us that story, Sean, because I'd missed that, and that is that is incredible. Really, it's really quite incredible. Just our, odd. Our text line is four one five two nine five KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. <laughs> the chief of the Cherokee Nation is calling on car maker Jeep to stop using the tribe's name on its vehicles. So Jeep has agreed to change the name to, wow, the Aunt Jemima Mobile. <laughs> I love how he started with, you're not going to like this. <laughs> That's a really funny joke. I know, and I like him saying wow, too, like I just can't, can't believe it. Will he get canceled for that joke? I read. I I've been reading part of his uh, autobiography that he just put out, Jost from Saturday Night Live. A very, a, little, pun- a very, isn't he like thirty. A very punchable face is the name of his oh, book. Oh, <laughs> um, it's pretty interesting though. Interesting dude. He didn't speak until he was over four years old. Interesting. Um, yeah, and has just a horrible problem with like being normal in society. I did not know that about him. Seems to be doing okay now as the uh, head anchor of Saturday Night Live and married to Scarlett Johansson. My wife, famously within her family, hardly uttered a word for the first several years of her life. Hmm. Uh, I've had a a niece who was like that, too. Interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, CPAC was over the weekend. I was alerted to the fact that Kevin McCarthy said this. We're going to get the majority back. We're five seats away. 
<laughs> I would bet my house. Listen, we are we were thirty-one thousand seven hundred fifty-one. My personal house. Yeah. Don't tell my wife, but I would bet it. This is the smallest majority the Democrats have had in a hundred years. We could do it. Kevin McCarthy bets his house that they will take back the House of Representatives. The Republicans will. I don't what know do how I, you hold I him I haven't to seen that. his house. What do I have to put up against that? Well, I have questions. I don't know how you hold him to it, and then I don't know who gets his house. Who's he giving his house to? The person who bets him. Okay. I see what you mean. Gotcha. Um, but I if got, I lost, I wouldn't have a house. I'd like to talk more about that, but one, we've got plenty of time to talk about who takes the house back in 22. And Ugh. secondly, this is kind of breaking-ish news as it happened this morning. The head of the California Teachers Union was caught this morning dropping off his two-year-old daughter at her private preschool, despite saying it's unsafe for children to be back in classrooms, according to reports. That was the Gavi Award we never got to. Oh, Yep. It just came across the New York Post today. Meet Matt Meyer, white man with dreads and president of the local teachers union. He's been saying it's unsafe for your kid to be back at school, all the while dropping his kid off at private school. President of the Berkeley Federation of Teachers has fought for what he called the gold standard for educators, saying that schools should only reopen to in-person learning when the teachers are vaccinated, among other criteria. However, it's okay for his kid, obviously, to go to that preschool because, well, I got stuff to do. I can't watch the kid and get all this stuff done. So. Plus, I have every belief that the kid's going to be fine, and so is the teacher. Right. You're not actually worried about your kid getting a uh, getting the COVID because kids don't tend to get it, and even if they do, it's not a big deal. So It's towering hypocrisy. Just utter, and, and you know, it's not hypocrisy about, I don't know, rent levels or, or some obscure policy. It's about the abuse of children, the neglect. It's about child neglect. And to be willing to be that big a hypocrite over child neglect is an evil person. You got to blame us, I guess. Um, I mean, we two of us, we have a society. We have enough of a we have enough of a democracy that if we if we were active enough politically, you'd think we could take care of this. But we just lay back and take it. I mean, this is just freaking absolutely ridiculous. It's one of the worst things that's ever happened. But why is that true? I think the answer to that question is because so few people get serious news media who are willing to tell them the truth. They just get the spin crap from the lefty media so they don't know it's child abuse. They bought the line that, well, we'll go back when it's safe. Safe now. It's been safe for a year. When the teachers are vaccinated and they get new ventilation systems, that's when they can go back. Right. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. How about a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up from the day? He's our technical director, Michelangelo. Yeah, we talked about this earlier. Ted Lasso, great show, and it's great for couples because it's super funny and super touching. Really yeah. recommend it. Yeah, and he's yeah, he's a good guy. Love that. Got to watch it. Positive Sean is our producer. Sean, final thought? Yeah, my mom saw Nomadland. actually watched it last night. Asked her if she liked it. She said, and this is a compliment from her, I cried through almost all of it. I loved it. Huh. Hmm. I can believe it's great. I just, I just, I don't want to cry. Cried through the whole thing? 
almost all of it. Sounds so. Oh, what okay. part didn't she cry through? Probably the opening credits. I need oh, to know boy. what she didn't cry through. The car chase. I assume there's a car chase in it. Jack, a final, th- final thought for us? Uh, well, I'm wearing an S Creek t-shirt. It won a Golden Globe last night for best comedy. I still say it might be the best comedy that's ever made. So give that a whirl if you uh, if you like. And as, sh- as uh, Michael just said, Ted Lasso, which also won a Golden Globe. Good stuff if you're looking for Netflix shows to watch. Although Lasso's Apple TV, isn't it? Wherever you find it. Uh, my final thought is I've come up with a title for my Mosquitoes Are Space Aliens Occupying the Planet uh, horror film, uh, sci-fi film. How do you like the buzz? How about just buzz? Oh, buzz. I like that. Because you'd, you'd, you'd hear the and you know, oh, they're coming for me. They're coming for me. Have you seen Buzz? Oh, man. It's kind of like The Godfather 2 meets Saw. Great buzz. <laughs> that is a great Sopranos reference. <laughs> the buzz is hot about buzz would be in variety. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have all sorts of good clicks for you. God bless America. I'm not a cat. That's the fact, Jack. Come on now. This is it. I'll, I'll cease now. This is... Uh... A bad mistake. And I know that what we're doing is wrong. But, I don't know. I think a liberal wish list would be avocado toast with Chrissy Teigen, <laughs> free college for pets, and a hip-hop musical about Anderson Cooper starring Lin-Manuel Miranda. We just don't want to see that. I had not heard that before. That certainly sounds stupid. Bravo. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.